0: okay good evening. good evening glad to see you all here this evening this is sort of uh, when when uh, we're announced to go to class sort of the parting of the red sea you know we lost uh half of everyone to uh you know the other classes but that's great i'm glad you're, you're out here with us uh i love this time of year that you know we can come here and uh, the sun's still shining and uh it's not you know dark out quite yet and so and the weather of course is getting nicer and so it's been a Beautiful couple of past days, so uh, hopefully it'll stay like this. You know, hopefully one of those you know false winters or whatever doesn't kick back, and hopefully you know we're good to go. Uh, you know, uh, Mike's crew was out mowing our lawn, uh, I think the other day, so you know signs are good, right? And so uh, we're happy uh, for that. So we are in lesson uh, number nineteen tonight uh, in our study of the life of Christ. And just again to review uh, what we talked about on Sunday morning, we looked at uh, Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 and really we're talking about Jesus calling uh, his disciples. Uh, Particularly uh, he first calls of course uh, Andrew and Peter and then James and John and you know of course he says to follow uh, I'm going to make you fishers of men you know come and follow me. But we focused more on Luke's account because Luke's account was a little uh, different, gave us a different, uh, a different perspective of how that went down. And if you remember, uh, you know, Peter had been out all night uh, with, his, uh, with his crew fishing, and did they catch anything that night? Zero. Zero, yeah, they didn't catch a single thing that night. And so uh, we're at, you know, some part of the day. And Jesus comes and he, you know, tells Peter to, you know, go out into the deep to cast his net. And we sort of, you know, see Peter, uh, he's a little, maybe a little perturbed, right? Because, uh, you know, he's the fisherman. He's the one that's done this his whole life. Uh, It's his trade. You know, Jesus is a carpenter. What does he know about fishing? Uh, but he uh, instinctively, you know, refers to him as master and says, yes, I'll do that. And so he goes out into the deep, casts his net. And there was a great catch. Right? so great that the nets were breaking. They had to call uh, the other members of uh, the company to come out and help. And oh, you remember Peter's reaction was uh, he fell down at the feet of Jesus. Right? And he said, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. And you know what a reaction we saw uh, w- with Peter. You know that reminded ourselves that you know when we compare ourselves to Jesus, when we compare ourselves to God, you know that should be our uh, our attitudes as well. Right? That, that we are aren't worthy. That we're sinful men, and that we need uh, Jesus. And so, uh, of course, Jesus calls uh, Peter and company that you we are going to be now fish They're going to be fishers of men. And, and then that last verse tells us that they left everything to follow him. And so just it was just a powerful, powerful uh, lesson, I thought, Sunday morning uh, of Peter and uh, the interaction he had with Jesus. And so uh, we're moving on into lesson 19, uh, which is going to – we're going to look at tonight three different accounts of Jesus uh, healing on the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath. Uh, this is – You know, one of uh, the biggest tests that Jesus has, uh, because or at least we see that uh, many of the miracles that Jesus performs uh, is going to take place on the Sabbath uh, because, uh, you know, because he's going to use these as teaching moments to uh, to help the Pharisees especially understand that what they are doing with the Sabbath is wrong. And so we'll get into that a little bit uh, here in a second. Of course, I didn't put up the map tonight because we don't really have uh, too many locations that we're going to. Uh, but Jesus, of course, is now back at that top location on the map in the region of Galilee. Uh, he is, um, of course, you know, his fame is starting to spread throughout that whole region. Uh, we saw a couple uh, a couple classes ago, uh, people are starting to notice Jesus. They're starting to come to him uh, in swarms, uh, so much so that sometimes when he's teaching uh, there's such a great crowd that what did they have to do? They had to open up the roof to drop uh, a man down for Jesus to heal. Right? There, there's so many people coming to Jesus. And he even has to said that he had to go outside of the city of Capernaum into the unpopulated areas just to get away, just to get some rest and have time to go to prayer and to God. So his popularity is starting to spread. But, of course, as that starts to spread, uh, the, the religious rulers of the day, in particular the Pharisees, you know, they're starting to get a little bit jealous, right, they, they don't like what's going on here, that Jesus is um, getting some of the followers uh, that had once, you know, looked up to the Pharisees, and they're now starting to follow Jesus, and so we're going to uh, notice that, you know, sort of in transition uh, from last lesson to this lesson, the uh, We're moving away from Jesus' first ministry, or excuse me, his first year of ministry. You know, we don't have that much, uh, you notice, because we're, you know, we're only, what, three months into this study. That's going to take us over a year. And so uh, we're now really, we've completed year number one. And I've always learned it this way. Uh, You know, maybe this is something that you could remember, but um, year one of Jesus' ministry is. Uh, what's referred to as obscurity. Uh, He's a little obscure at this time. Uh, People are starting to find out about him. Uh, You know, he's not known all over, but people are starting to um, notice him. So uh, Jesus is obscurity. But then we get to year two, and year two is referenced as the year of popularity, right? Because again, his popularity is going to start to explode and everyone's going to know uh, who he is. And then by the time we get to year number three, which we're going to spend the most time in year number three. Uh, that's the year of opposition. That's the year that uh, he's facing opposition from all sides. And so, again, we're moving from this year of obscurity to the, his second year of ministry of uh, popularity. And so, last Wednesday, you know, we looked at some of the miracles that Jesus performed in Galilee. Tonight, we're going to look at some of these minister, or excuse me, some of these miracles that he performs, uh, starting in Jerusalem. Now, but the focus is is that all of these are going to be done on the Sabbath. So, if you would, let's begin uh, by looking at in John chapter five. John chapter five, and. Uh, we're going to notice that Jesus is back down in Jerusalem. You know, we, we're not really sure you know, why he's back down in Jerusalem. As, as the text tells us that he, in verse 1, after these things, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Uh, there were three feasts uh, every year that the, that the Jewish male was required to go to. Uh, the uh, Pentecost, Passover, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And we do not know, based on this verse, which you know, feast this was. But this could have been you know, one of these feasts uh, that, uh, that, they, that he was required to be at. There was other feasts uh, not as um, restrictive as, as those three. There were a couple other ones that would have happened in Jerusalem as well. Uh, that could be that reason as well. But we just want to notice, as we begin looking at this Account, you know, Jesus has left the regions of Galilee, and he's back down in Jerusalem. Again, the Bible says he went up to Jerusalem. That's not talking directionally, but that's talking about topographically, right? He, Jerusalem is up on the mountainside, and so uh, he is going up, and so that's why it tells us there. So let's read uh, the first few verses here of John chapter five, starting in verse two. It says, now there is. In Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Beseda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately, the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So, of course, you know, that verse that we just ended with, that's that's, you know, the big uh, problem here uh, with this account that Jesus is going to have to uh, go up against is that this healing that he just performed took place on the Sabbath day. You know, what was the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament? All right. Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Now, that was one of the Ten Commandments that the Jews were, to, or were commanded to uh, take part in. And so that word Sabbath, the Sabbath, it basically means a rest. A rest. So remember the Sabbath day and rest. Keep it holy. Uh, let's notice a couple of verses uh, about this uh, in Exodus uh, chapter 23. I'll read a couple of these to you uh, concerning the Sabbath day. Exodus chapter 23 verse 12 says, Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor So that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female slave, as well as your stranger, may refresh themselves. Okay, so God uh, has uh, commanded the people of Israel, you know, do your work six days a week. But on that seventh day, that last day of the week, the Sabbath day, you are to rest. And not only are you to rest, but your animals, uh, your servants, uh, everyone is to rest that day. Uh, Exodus chapter 31 verses 13 through 16 gives us a little bit more. But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout our generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does not or does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Okay, so again, God... Commands them to observe this day of rest. Right? the six days you are to work; the seventh day you are to cease. This was important to God. You know, we noticed in those verses that there was a uh, there was an alternative to uh, working on the Sabbath. Right, if they were uh, found working on the Sabbath, uh, what did what did Moses write that would happen to the the people? Yeah, there there was a death penalty associated with uh, working on the Sabbath. You know, that's how important this was uh, to God that his people uh, were to rest on that day. And, and there's a couple of different, you know, verses throughout the Old Testament where uh, a little bit more information is given as to, uh, you know, what constitute work on that day. Um, there was an account in the book of Numbers, Numbers uh, 15, about a man who was out picking up sticks on the day of sabbath you know he was working and he was put to death because of that exodus 35 verse 3 said uh, they were not to kindle a fire for cooking okay but but really you know that, that the basic statement that we get is remember the sabbath and to uh, keep it holy but here's here's where we are though we're in the, you know that was on mount sinai uh, In in the wilderness, and now here we are in the days of Jesus. And throughout the centuries, um, you know, really with, you know, the Jewish people, of course, they went into captivity. They were in Babylonian captivity. And when they came out of captivity, they were a completely, really a completely different people. Uh, For one thing, the good thing was, do you remember what was the main reason why they went into captivity? Right, it was idol worship. And so when uh, we read in the New Testament, we really don't read about any sort of idol worship, do we? Uh, they got rid of that. Uh, they did not want to go back into captivity. They learned their lesson. Right? But, but there was also some negative aspects to uh, the, them coming out of captivity. And uh, some of those uh, were that they became a more isolated uh, people. They they were separated themselves. They um, really they, they did not like the other nations that well. And and through that within that group of Jewish people came this other sect of of, of religious people that we know as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, of course, uh, they wanted to go above and beyond God's law and created. Sort of these hedges around God's law, uh, really, to protect them from ever having to go, uh, you know, back into captivity again. Uh, There's some good intentions there. uh, But, of course, you know, what they're doing is uh, they're, you know, changing God's law that we see. You know, again, God gave the Ten Commandments. You know, we're familiar with that. Uh, Often scholars point to, you know, if you were to read through the whole Old Testament or the first five books... Of the law, you know, you could count up uh, 613 commands uh, that fall under those ten commandments. So there's about 613 commands in the Old Testament. Uh, about 40% of those are, are positives. Uh, you know, thou shall do this, and then the other 60% are, are negative. You know, thou shall not do that, or thou shall not do that. And really, you know, that's all they needed was you know the book of the law. That's all they needed to study and to follow was. You know the, the law of Moses, but of course uh you know again, through this period of time, you know not wanting to violate any of these laws, they came up with their own oral uh, traditions. Have you ever heard of the Mishnah or the Talmud you know these are uh, These are books uh, of the Jewish religion where they you know they they basically kept these laws that they built, and they're People, you know, have studied this. You know, just like they, people, you know, scholars study the Bible. They've also, you know, studied uh, these uh, traditional books of the Jewish people, and they counted 39 classes of work uh, that that they came up with that would be in violation of the Sabbath. All right, let me read all of these to you, okay? So these are the things that the the Pharisees, uh, the Jewish elite of that time, came up with that would be in violation of. Uh, of the sabbath. Anybody who was caught carrying something, burning something, extinguishing something, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, shaping, plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, winnowing, selecting, sifting, grinding, kneading, combing, spinning, uh, dyeing, uh, chain stitching, warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, marking. Right, 39 uh, different things that, according to their oral traditions, if, uh, if you were caught doing this on the Sabbath day, that last day of the week, uh, you were in violation of the Sabbath. Uh, again, according to uh, the Pharisees. You know, you can read some of the kind of the outlandish ones that they, um, you know, came up with. Uh, they, they said that you could carry a mat uh, if a person was on it, but if there was no person on it, you know, you couldn't carry it. Right? That would have been a violation of uh, of their um, of the Sabbath, according to them. You could only walk or travel, you know, some two thousand cubits, which uh, was. It's a, two-third of a two-thirds of a mile in our terms, but if you walked more or traveled more than two-thirds of a, uh, of a mile on the Sabbath day, you were in violation of the Sabbath. And so what they would do, is, especially if they were wealthy, is they'd set up you know, a home or a tent in one spot, and if they knew they had to be traveling uh, on the Sabbath day, you know, they'd set up another home uh, some 2,000 cubits away because right? they did not want to violate uh, their uh, human traditions. There was one that actually and this even goes on today the people who practice uh, the Judaism today have even um, they still follow some of these. This was a big news I remember in 2015 about a family, uh, a Jewish family in America. Uh, there was, I think, eight children in the family. And uh, I remember, the Jewish day uh, is sundown. Uh, to uh, sundown, so it's not midnight to midnight like we are used to it, but it's about six pm to six pm, and so the day before the Sabbath, on what we would consider Friday, before six pm, uh, this family would uh, cook their meals, uh, because on the Sabbath day they weren't allowed to light an oven, right? they couldn't. That would be considered work, and so for the family to to eat. Uh, What they would do is they would put that food on a hot plate, you know, going from 6 p.m. on Friday night into the Sabbath day. And what happened was, again, this was in the news a few years ago, uh, that hot plate malfunctioned. And uh, that family, unfortunately, all died, uh, seven children and... uh, and the mom and another child, I believe, escaped. But they lost seven children because they were following, the, again, this man-made tradition of, uh, that was you know, part of their Jewish uh, heritage, religion, the, that they were not to you know, cook on the Sabbath. And so – but here, here's the point I want you to get tonight about the Sabbath and that we're going to see from these accounts of Jesus. The day of rest, the Sabbath – was to be a blessing to the people and not a burden, right? The Pharisees turned this day into a burden. You know, what about you? I was thinking about this today, but what about you? Would you be pretty uncomfortable every Sabbath day when it came around, knowing of all those things that could violate the Sabbath according to you know, the Jewish tradition, you know, you, you have to watch and make sure that you don't accidentally, you know, do some work or, or maybe somebody caught you doing that. You know, again, uh, that, that would be pretty unnerving to me. Right? But again, the, the, the Sabbath day was meant to be a blessing to the people, not a burden. Do you remember all the way back uh, when the, the children of Israel are in the wilderness and uh, God has provided them with manna? Remember, every day they had enough manna uh, that they could uh, take and eat for that day. And God told them to only take enough that they needed for that day. And that, you know, if they were to take extra, remember, it would rot the next day. That manna would rot. It would be no good. Uh, He wanted them to trust him uh, faithfully. And so he provided them, you know, a day's worth of manna every single day. But do you remember what happened the day before the Sabbath? That's right. He gave them two days' worth so that they wouldn't have to work, uh, gather on the Sabbath day. And that manna that they gathered, that they left over for the next day, it never rotted. It never uh, melted. Uh, again, never rotted. God provided for them on the Sabbath day. And again, it was made to be a blessing for them and not a burden. And we're going to see that you know Jesus later on, if we get to this... Uh, verse, because I know I'm I'm getting a little behind already, but uh, Jesus is going to say that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And so, you know, here in John chapter 5, we see this account of this man who has been ill for 38 years. Jesus asks him, do you wish to get well? Uh, He tells the man to get up, pick up his pallet and walk. And immediately he does that, right? Jesus miraculously heals him, and, you know, the people at that time uh, viewing this, they should be praising God. They should be excited that this man who had been ill for 38 years was um, recovered from this. But again, what is the problem here? What does Jesus tell him to do that is sort of a problem to the, to the people He tells them to pick up his pallet and walk. Again, pick up your pallet and take it from one place to another was considered violating the Sabbath. So let's notice uh, verses 10 uh, and following. Uh, So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath, and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, my father is working until now and I myself am working. All right, so we have that question there in verse 10 or the statement, it is the Sabbath and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. Right, this man who had been lame or ill for 38 years is now well. He's walking around. They should have been excited. They should have been praising God at that moment. But they're too concerned about Jesus healing this man on a Sabbath day. Working on a Sabbath day. And so we see in verse 16 again. The reason that the Jews persecuted Jesus. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response in verse 17. My father is working till now. And I myself am working. Right. Does God work on the Sabbath? Yes. God works on the Sabbath. God doesn't take time off. Uh, but he says there again, my father is working until now and I myself am working. What did Jesus just do in that verse 17? What did he proclaim? He's equal to God, right? God is working on the Sabbath and so am I. And so that's really what's going to be the, remind, uh, the remainder of the, this chapter, uh, chapter chapter 5, is you know especially verse 18 let's just look at verse 18 it says for this reason therefore the jews were seeking all the more to kill jesus because he not only was breaking the sabbath but also was calling god his own father making himself equal with god right they could not handle that statement that jesus made that jesus is on par with god and so um, that's going to be the remainder of that passage But again, God gave or he's going to use, you know, this remaining time to let them know that God gave him this authority. Again, Jesus is God. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And this is not going to be the only instance that this is going to occur on the Sabbath. So let's flip over to Mark chapter two and we'll look at these other two accounts if we have time. uh, These will both be back to back here in Mark chapter two and into chapter three, uh, because this first one. Is uh, recorded for us both in Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke of Jesus having to uh, defend his disciples because they're going to get accused of working on the Sabbath. So let's look at Mark chapter two, starting in verse twenty-three. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, "Look." Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Okay, so uh, again, we have this account. Uh, the disciples are walking through this field. Uh, they're picking the heads of grain. Uh, Luke says that they, you know, they're actually uh, rubbing it together with their, with their hands, and then they're eating uh, it. And of course, the, you know, the Pharisees see this, and uh, they're condemning them, uh, the disciples of Jesus, for, for working now, again, I, I pointed out that there are some verses in the in the Old Testament that point to exactly what uh, constitute working. And Exodus uh, 34, verse 21 says that, you know, reaping on the Sabbath day was uh, sinful. But they're not reaping. They're just simply walking through this grain field and they're, you know, plucking a couple of heads of grain and, and eating. Right? Uh, they're hungry. And so, uh, again, there, there's no violation here of God's law. But what they're upset about is they're violating their man-made traditions, the, these hedges that they've built around uh, the, God's law, and so again, they're comparing the disciples' actions to harvesting, but that's not what's going on at all. And David, or excuse me, Jesus responds by citing um, something that happens in the Old Testament with King David uh, in First Samuel chapter twenty-one. Now, of course, the Jews greatly, greatly admired David. You know, they looked up to David. You know, you, David and Abraham, those are, you know, the top two guys in the Old Testament that all Jews looked up to. And so uh, for Jesus to bring up this account is going to be quite a shock for them that, you know, Jesus is going to point out something that David did in the Old Testament. Uh, not that we have time to go back to read that account, but David's on the run from King Saul. Uh, he comes to the city called Nob and he asks for bread because he and his men are hungry and uh, the, the high priest there, you know, he tells them that there's no regular bread there, there's no, there's no food there, but they have the consecrated bread. Now, who can eat the consecrated bread? Yeah, the, the sons of Aaron, the, the, the Levites, the priests. Uh, those were the only people who were allowed to eat this consecrated bread. It, it, was, it was for them uh, specifically. But, of course, uh, David and his men take it and eat it. You know, they're, they're uh, violating uh, what, you know, God had put in place about who could eat this consecrated bread. And so, you know, Jesus's main two points here that he's telling the Pharisees is, you know, David broke the law and you're not really mad at him. But my disciples are breaking your man-made, you know, regulations, but you're, and you're mad at them for that. It doesn't make sense. Uh, And we also see, you know, we can also notice here again, uh, working on the Sabbath, uh, there are times when, you know, human needs overrode those consequences. Uh, He's going to say in Matthew's account that, you know, who among you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on a Sabbath day will not lift it out. Right. Uh, We understand that if. Uh, or at least Jesus here is telling them that they uh, they understand that if they have a farm animal that falls into a pit and it's in grave danger, you know they're going to work on the Sabbath to get that uh, animal out of that pit. They're not going to leave it in there until the next day, but they're going to be working. And so again, you know Jesus is trying to tell them, you know how hypocritical they are uh, that they would do that, but now they're getting you know upset again that Jesus' disciples are violating these man-made regulations. And so, uh, again, he, he reveals the true purpose of the Sabbath there in verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man. Right? It was made as a day of rest for them to recoup. And it wasn't made for man for the Sabbath. It wasn't made so that man could regulate it and make it such a burden uh, for all the people. And uh, this led to his conclusion there in verse 28. So the Son of Man is Lord even On the Sabbath. We didn't get to the last uh, account here. uh, At at the beginning of chapter 3. We'll finish that up Sunday morning. But again, appreciate your attendance. And your uh, participation. And we'll move into lesson number 20. uh, As well as Jesus selects his 12 apostles. On Sunday morning. Thank you.